With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey folks, John Miller here, HawkeyeNation.com. Want to break down Iowa's upcoming season and maybe even arrive at a one-loss prediction or win-loss prediction. But before we do that, want to say something really quick uh, about a current sponsor we have. That is a Tailgate Clothing Company. Tailgate Clothing Company. Every Saturday, your tailgate checklist has the grill, the charcoal, and the food. We've all been there. You've got the music, the games, cooler stock with ice-cold drinks. you got the tickets. Wait, you did remember the tickets, right? Well, go back and get the tickets. But what every tried-and-true tailgate pro will tell you is to stop by the Tailgate Clothing Company. It's an Iowa tradition for the best in true fan apparel since 1997. And you're invited to their grand opening at Jordan Creek Town Center in West Des Moines, it's Friday, August the 3rd. Plus, enjoy tax-free shopping on your favorite styles while you're there and while you're at it. That is the Tailgate Clothing Company's grand opening, Jordan Creek Town Center, West Des Moines, on August the 3rd. Now let's dive into my uh, thoughts on Iowa's upcoming schedule. Going to do this over three different podcasts um, just from the simple standpoint of I've got about one page of notes uh, for every four games, and that would be a really, really long podcast. It might get a little tedious, in fact, if I was to do that over the course of an hour. I'm guessing this will probably last somewhere around 20 minutes. Heck, even 20 minutes of me talking by myself might get tedious, and I haven't done this for a while. I haven't done a, uh, a solo podcast for quite some time. I'm, I can't recall for sure, maybe since the last Instant Reaction podcast following Iowa's uh, Pinstripe Bull win. Maybe. I don't recall for sure. Some of you might, but... So I'm kind of uh, blowing the cobwebs out of the tailpipe here, so to speak. That just didn't sound really good, did it? Maybe I should restart this and go back and come up with a better. No, let's just leave it in. Let's start off. Northern Illinois comes to Kinnick Stadium. Iowa's season opener here in about five weeks from right now, less than 40 days, in fact. Recording this on the 25th day of July 2018. Northern Illinois, they lose their top rusher. Uh, but they returned two of their top four rushers, including their quarterback. Last name is Childers. I know you don't even really need to care about his name. Let's just say their quarterback. He rushed for, uh, I think it was a net of over, it was over 600 yards, over 600 yards of net positive rushing yards last year before you take away sacks. Definitely a dual threat. He started, I think, seven or eight games for them last year. Um, he wasn't the original starter. He was a true freshman last year. Um, or, or he was a free, he was freshman of the year. I can't remember if he was a true freshman or not, but he, he wound up being freshman of the year uh, in the MAC. He had 16 touchdowns, five interceptions again in a short season as I think he stepped in because game five maybe, and he took over from, from that point on. So very experienced Dual threat challenge for Iowa to work with right away, but their leading rusher from last year, their leading rusher is a running back. 
did not return. Yeah, Childers gained 609 yards on the ground before you take away sacks. I'm reading from my notes here. Eight returning starters overall on offense, six on defense, uh, including on defense, defensive lineman uh, Sutton Smith. Just a miniature monster, diminutive in size, not a guy who's going to bat down a lot of balls, but somebody who's going to give you fits with his pass rushing abilities. Last year, 14 sacks, eight quarterback hurries, and he was Phil St- and, and um, he, w- he was the MAC Defensive Player of the Year last year, and Northern Illinois is Phil Steele's pick to win the uh, Western Division in the Mac. So a very salty front seven on defense. Kind of, you know, the kind of opening game test you'd like for your team to face. I don't think that they're going to beat Iowa. I give Iowa an 80% chance of winning this game. Maybe should be 85% chance of winning this game. Uh, If Iowa loses this game, it's not going to be the type of fun season that many of you, and certainly me as well, are hoping Iowa has. But I, I think, you know, you've got a, a salty enough defense. I think Iowa, here's one thing. Well, maybe I'll save that for the, the next game when I talk about positions. I think that I will save that. So let's, let's just move on to Iowa's second game of the season. And that is against Iowa State in Kinnick Stadium this year. Always glad when this game is in Kinnick Stadium. I just never have a good feeling for when Iowa goes over and plays in Jack Trice. I haven't looked up. I'm going to look up the numbers here in the Iowa-Iowa State game with regards to home and away success since Kirk Ferentz took over. Let's actually amend that to since 2001. That game was at Iowa State. And the only reason I'm doing that is Iowa had some rebuilding to do. And 2001 was when Iowa kind of got its sea legs back beneath it. So since 2001, um, Iowa is 10-7. and against Iowa State. The average score is uh, 25.8 for Iowa and 18.1 for Iowa State. And and those numbers are fairly similar for Iowa at home. Iowa averages a um, 24 to 14 uh, margin of victory at home, so 10 points. And Iowa is 5-3 at home since 2001. And Iowa is 5-4 at Jack Trice Stadium. So, yeah, Iowa's had won just as many games at Jack Trice as they have in Kinnick since 2001. The average score at Jack Trice, 27.5 for Iowa and 22.4 for Iowa State. So Iowa's typically won by 10 points at home against Iowa State in this series. This Iowa State team they're going to be facing this year, I think David Montgomery is the most dangerous running back they're going to face. Iowa is going to face all season long. Montgomery last year, nearly 2,000, uh, not, not nearly, nearly uh, 1,200 yards rushing. We have a nearly 2,000 yards rusher coming up, but I still think David Montgomery for Iowa is more dangerous than Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. That's not to say Taylor's not dangerous. It's just that David Montgomery can do a lot more to get something out of a broken play than Jonathan Taylor can. David Montgomery might be the most elusive running back in college football. He was certainly Iowa's answer to Akron Wadley. Just a fantastic football player to watch. A lot of fun to watch um, as long as he's not playing Iowa. He's back. Um, Quarterback Kyle Kempt gets another year. He's back, completed 66.3% of his passes last year. Eight starts 
replaced Jacob Park early in the season after Iowa had played them. Threw for 1,800 yards, 16 touchdowns, and five interceptions. And just a really gritty ball player. Gutty ball player. Those type of acronyms. But he is. He is. Obviously, Iowa State loses all-time leading receiver Alan Lazard. But uh, Hakeem Butler and his six foot six frame is back. I think Butler was the guy, right, who had the pretty key drop uh, against Iowa. Maybe it was uh, in overtime last year. I can't remember exactly, but I, I think it was him. But he's he's a dangerous receiver, and at six foot six, man, he is a fun guy to throw jump balls to. Offensive line, I think, would be Iowa State's primary concern going into this season. Uh, Jake Campos is gone. Um, Their projected starter at center, at least according to Phil Steele, and we all know that Steele puts his information out quite a long ways in advance, so don't hold him to it or me to it. But the guy that Steele is showing as their projected starter at center um, may have one career start under his belt before he comes to Kinnick Stadium, and that would be their season opening game against South Dakota State the week prior. The backup that Steele has is also a redshirt freshman, as is the projected starter. That is one position that, yeah, you'd like to have experience returning, but even if you don't have game experience returning, you'd love to have program and weight room experience returning. And Iowa State could be a little slight there figuratively as well as uh, literally. Over on the defensive side, uh, Lima uh, is a tough out. Tongamoa. Um, solid addition there. Their linebackers are really good. Really salty group of linebackers. Uh, Spears and Harvey. Um, PV at cornerback is a very good player. I, I just think it's it's going to be a tough out. Now, I give Iowa a 60% chance of winning this game. Probably looking at the, um, the historical trend of scores at Kinnick Stadium. Maybe I should, you know, push that a little higher, but, you know, trends aren't suiting up and they don't wear chin straps or mouthpieces, as I like to tell Dace a lot. He's a big trends guy. I'm more of a fundamentals guy. It's how I do things in my uh, day job with my own company and trading and advising clients in the energy industry. I'm a fundamentals guy, but sometimes you better know the technicals or they'll run you over because they act as a self-fulfilling prophecy, but not so much as it relates to trends, I think, in um, picking football games. The question always remains, or the question always is, rather, for the Iowa State game, which style is going to win out this year? Does Iowa State Will they have a strategy or will they have the lead in their pencil to stand up to Iowa at the point of attack? Now, I began to talk about this in the Northern Illinois segment. I'll talk about it now. I think Iowa, and I've been texting with a friend of mine the last several weeks, and we just seemingly keep coming back to this topic. Iowa has an opportunity to do some things this year offensively that they haven't really been able to do for a long time or maybe not to the degree they can this year because of the personnel they have. And that is to, heck, Iowa could run, as far as I'm concerned, all day out of 12 personnel, maybe even 13, three tight ends, one running back, two tight ends, one running back. Think about having three tight ends and one running back personnel grouping, which means you've also got, uh, say, Brandon Smith or um, Amir Smith-Marset split wide, right? You've got one receiver three tight ends and one running back 
So that's five plus your offensive line plus your quarterback. So I'm going to want to make sure my math worked there. So you've got um, Noah Fant out there. You've got TJ Hawkinson out there. And throw in whomever wins the number three tight end job. One of those players can go in motion and be more like an H back, move him left, move him right. Um, you can have your, you know, your two, your Hawkinson and Fant. They can be in tight, showing a power look. They can, you know, motion pre snap out to the slot, or one can go wide left where you got Amir Smith Marset wide right, line one of the tight ends, your move tight ends up in a slot, and you've got mismatches for sure. Because what the this when you have this much position flexibility, the defense can't take keys and bring in substitution packages based on the personnel look you have. If I was got three tight ends in for a series, do you think you dare bring in a nickelback? Or do you dare go a dime look, which you probably wouldn't go a dime look against that personnel. But do you bring in a nickelback? Because if you do, and Nathan Stanley sees that, he can check out of a pass play into a running play. And he has a lot more plays at his disposal this year and in this formation for a couple of reasons. One, he's got more experience. He has more command of the offense. And two, when you are running the same personnel group, you just have more audibles open to you because you know that you're not going to get an illegal procedure penalty. I mean, if if you bring in a, you know, four wide, wide receiver look and the defense has brought in a dime and it's third and four and everybody's playing off 10 yards cushion and as a quarterback, man, I, I want to audible into a, a power run here. Well, you can't really do that because you're going to have alignment issues. So you only have a set number of audibles available to you. But if you're running you know, two and three tight end personnel on a regular basis, certainly two, I was going to do a lot of that, but I think they can get away with three. And you can audible into and out of a lot of different plays, more plays without concerns of penalty because you have so much position flexibility. And Kirk Ferentz talked a lot this uh, spring and summer about Noah Fant's improvement as a blocker back in the spring. And really, that's just a smart thing for Fant to have focused on because the dude will get paid. I mean, he already has NFL ball skills. His speed at his size, that's, I mean, that's NFL written all over it. But if he can step up and be a consistently solid blocker, he's actually he will be that first-round guy that some draft Knicks are already grading him at. Without a doubt, he will be that. So if you come in and, and, and they're showing a, a power front on defense and you got your three tight ends, flex those tight ends outside, mismatches. And if they're showing uh, a nickel look or a soft, uh, a soft coverage look, call those tight ends in and then go one. I mean, there, there's so many things you can do to it. I would love to see Iowa using a lot of three tight end personnel this year and just move those guys around and pick them apart like the Patriots do. That is my dream for Iowa's offense this year. I mean, it's 
not necessarily a dream for a lot of football fans to uh, utilize three tight ends. I just think Iowa can do so much out of it because of the, the level of talent that they have at the position. But we talked about Noah Fant, and he's great, going to be an NFL first-rounder. TJ Hawkinson's going to get drafted too. I don't have any doubt in my mind, as long as he stays healthy, he'll get drafted. I mean, Fant, say Fant goes in the first round of the 2019 draft. Uh, is it a stretch to think that Hawkinson goes in the top four rounds of the 2020 draft? I don't think that it is. Iowa's got a great tight end train going, and they got a lot of talent in the pool in the live well. So I think Iowa's a little farther along. This Iowa team's a little farther along than what this Iowa State team will be. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I respect the job that Matt Campbell's doing. He is a very, very good recruiter. He has a very good sales pitch. One of my very good friends has a, uh, a son who um, is going to be going to Iowa State. And Iowa was involved with him. And, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds here because they're personal conversations. But I can just say from based upon my conversations with my friend who has had several conversations with Matt Campbell and the Iowa State coaches, they're doing a really good job. And they've got a, you know, they they put a lot of juice into their sales pitch. So I don't think it's something that you can sit there and chuckle and roll your eyes and LOL Iowa State. I like what they're doing. And maybe it's easier for me to say this now since I'm not doing a radio show in central Iowa every day and I don't have Iowa State fans living all around me and putting signs up in my yard when Iowa loses to Iowa State like I did when I lived in Iowa. Uh, I haven't come across an Iowa State fan down here in Oklahoma just yet. But, you know, I'm just not into the – I'm not into that – you know, verbal gamesmanship of the rivalry anymore the way that I was when I was there. So uh, I have no problem with Iowa State doing well uh, and, and having success. Um, next game, on, I, I'm going to take Iowa to win this one as well. Iowa State. Next game is Northern Iowa. I don't really have a lot to say on this game. Iowa has no business losing to Northern Iowa. I give them a 90% chance of winning. I don't really care for this game because Iowa has absolutely nothing to gain. An FBS team never has anything to gain when they play an FCS team. But I, you know, these, a lot of these Northern Iowa kids or, or state of Iowa kids who grew up wanting an offer from Iowa or wanting an offer from Iowa State whenever they play against Iowa or Iowa State, they get all geared up, chip on their shoulder games. I'm going to go out and show you, and they play their absolute best games they've ever played in their lives because the emotion um, is there for them. And that's not to say that these guys aren't talented. They are talented. They're just not deep because of the scholarship rules and limitations. So um, I think Iowa starts out 3-0. and And then we get down to the barometer game. How far has Iowa's program progressed how far away are they from maybe having a type of program that can climb that mountain again and get back to Indianapolis, get back to a uh, New Year's Six Bowl game? They can get there this year. They just have to win the fourth game of the season against Wisconsin. I don't see any scenario, really, realistically, where Iowa loses to Wisconsin and makes it to Indianapolis. That would mean, in my opinion, okay, so here, here's the scenario. Let me give you a scenario. If Iowa, if Iowa loses to Wisconsin, I think Iowa has to win their remaining eight games 
and do no worse than 8-1 and one this season. That would also require winning at Penn State. It would require um, you know, beating Nebraska at home, require winning at Purdue. All of those things individually are possible, but collectively, do you see that happening? I don't know. It would mean that you, you, know, you can't have a stinker out of the blue and lose one that you shouldn't have lost. Because if you go 7-2, and two, I don't see any way Wisconsin does any worse than 7-2. and two. And if they beat you head-to-head, then there's your tiebreaker, and they go to Indianapolis. So the only way I think Iowa can make it to Indianapolis without beating the Badgers is to go 8-1, and one, and then Wisconsin has to lose twice to this group of teams, Nebraska at Michigan, at Northwestern, at Penn State, Illinois, Rutgers, at Purdue, and Minnesota. I'm sorry. I, I don't think that that will happen because of the Wisconsin team I'm about to talk about. Best offensive line in the nation, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many other people. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, sophomore to be running back, who last year as a true freshman rushed for 1,977 yards as a true freshman. The NCAA single-season rushing record is 2,628 yards. There's a chance that Taylor could play 15 games minimum. Or I shouldn't say minimum. There's a chance he could play 15 games. If Wisconsin wins the Big Ten West, goes to Indianapolis and wins the Big Ten championship and makes it into the college football playoff, he would play at least 15 games. And if they won the first round of the playoff, then he'd play 16. So given that offensive line, I wouldn't bet that he breaks Barry Sanders' single-season rushing record for FBS rushers. I would not bet on that. But it's something I'll certainly be interested in watching. The career rushing record for the NCAA is held by former Badger Ron Dane with 7,125 yards. Now, I don't know that there's any way Taylor's going to be at Wisconsin for four years. He'll be there this year, and then he'll have to be there next year due to the rules. So three years. But he, the dude might go over 6,000 yards in three seasons. And if he came back for a fourth, he would likely break Ron Dane's record. I don't think those are things that are happening. All of that is to say that he's really, really good, really, really dangerous, and he's a great fit for that Wisconsin offensive line. He is a jackhammer that also has a decent top-end gear. And when you play Wisconsin, you absolutely have to commit personnel to slow down the running game. Because if you don't, they will bludgeon you to death. And when you do that, it's going to give Alex Hornibrook, their quarterback, an opportunity to throw to more open receivers than maybe any other quarterback is going to throw to this year in all of FBS. Last year, Hornibrook completed roughly 63% of his passes. Maybe he gets to 70% this year. He had 25 touchdown passes last year to 15 interceptions. Games I saw him play, he tried to force the ball into a lot of questionable windows. One more year under his belt, maybe he doesn't do that this year, and maybe he won't have to because there might not be a lot of questionable windows he has to throw to because of how open some of his receivers are going to be because of the prowess of their rushing game. I think he's going to have a huge year. He threw for 2,644 yards a year ago. Really, for me, for Wisconsin, it comes down to their defense. The offense is what it is. You're going to have to gear up and try to stop it. Can you keep pace with them? They returned four starters this year. 
We're going to find out. Is it their scheme? Is it their personnel? It's probably a little of both. But man, have they lost a number of talented defensive linemen and linebackers the last three years. Can Wisconsin, who recruits somewhere usually 25th to 35th in the nation in the national recruiting rankings, but arguably has the best developmental uh, football program in the country right now, can Wisconsin continue to mine gold and strike lightning with regards to the development of their personnel, especially at linebacker and outside defensive line in their 3-4 scheme? Until I see that they can't, I'm going to bet that they will which means I'm going to take Wisconsin to win this game. And I very much would like to see Iowa win this game, especially this game, as I have too much Wisconsin envy running through my veins right now that I'd really like to purge myself of. So there's your first four games, or rather, there are my first four games. I have Iowa sitting at 3-1 and through their first four games of this season. It's not a bad start. If they do lose to Wisconsin, I hope they just represent themselves well. Yeah, moral victory. Yeah, I'll take one. I'll take one. Because I think Wisconsin's at least a 70% likelihood to win that game. So, I would take a moral victory as long as Iowa can, you know, be more representative than what they were last year. That would at least make us feel a little better about the rest of the season. Be back with the next set of four games coming up tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this, and thank you for to Tailgate Clothing for sponsoring this podcast.